Matthew, the seventh chapter, we are three quarters of the way now (laughs) to the Sermon on the Mount. It's taken a while. Uh, I promise you again, things will speed up once we get past this. Um, It's just that a lot of times Jesus would teach and then he would explain why he said what he said. And I mean, it really moves along. Uh, In the Sermon on the Mount, there's really no explanation. He goes from one thing to another, boom, 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 just laying all these really kind of like, wow, amazing statements. Uh, Again, with no explanation, it just hammers it out. He lays the foundation of the Christian teaching, uh, the teaching we're supposed to be living out and sharing with others. All right? So now we are at uh, chapter 7, verse 1. We're three quarters of the way through. Uh, And he reads this. Now, this is a very, uh, or he says this, this is a very famous verse of Scripture, probably the most famous Scripture particularly among pagans and, uh, and people who behave badly. They love this verse. You'll hear this verse quoted a lot. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. You're not supposed to judge, you're not supposed to judge. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that little back out of your eye when all the time there's a big plank in your own eye you hypocrite first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye again very famous portion of scripture don't judge don't judge you're not supposed to judge now um, the truth of the matter is Christians are supposed to judge and I'm going to show you that in just a minute show show you the scriptures where we are supposed to judge Uh, Well, is the Bible contradictory? No, there's different kinds of judging. There's the nasty kind of judging, which we will elaborate on, that you're not supposed to judge. Uh, But there are clear judgments Christians are supposed to make. And don't let people beat you back. See, one of the things about people who act badly is they love to quote to you, don't judge, because they don't want you to tell them they're acting badly. You know, but it's not judging. If it walks like a skunk, it talks like a skunk, it smells like a skunk, it's a skunk. It's not judging. Don't judge me. I'm not a skunk. You know, you, it, it is what it is. It doesn't mean you can't call a spade a spade. All right? Uh, it reminds me of the story of a guy we were talking to. He goes to a really big church, not in this city, but in another city. Um, him and his wife are on leadership in the big church. Finds out his wife's committing adultery. Confronts her. She doesn't want to stop. She moves in with this guy. just doing everything wrong. The marriage is ending in divorce. He goes to the church leadership. And explains to them what is going on. And uh, they said, well, why are you telling us this? Well, so you can remove her from leadership. So we're not going to do that. We don't believe in judging. Well, see, now that's just stupid. Okay? Clearly people who do not understand what judging means. When Jesus says, do not judge, he's talking about mean and nasty judging. Let me give you uh, some clarification. Uh, you're not supposed to judge. Judging, uh, the bad kind of judging is when you come to a conclusion without all the facts. In other words, if somebody does something and you don't know why they do it, but then you give the reason why. You ever do that? Somebody does, why did he do that? Well, because he's a big fat jerk, that's why. You don't know that. Okay? My wife's acting like a witch today. Why? She always acts like, well, I, I, do you know why? Maybe it's because you're being a jerk. I mean, there's something tied to when you don't know why people are do, and then you just give the reason why. Well, they do it because of that. that, that, That's judging. You're coming to conclusions. You don't know the facts. A Christian should not do that. 
Number two, a Christian should not condemn people. You know, it's hopeless for you. You're like, ah, go to hell. We're not supposed to have that kind of attitude. And number three, when we sharply disapprove of the way of another Christian lives his Christian life. is also judging, the Bible says, that we're not supposed to do. We are, however, supposed to judge, use our brains, and see things clearly. Some examples. We're going to go through a bunch of verses. Hope you got your Bible belt on. We're going to fly through some of this. 1 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, verse 1. Paul writes, he says, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, much like what I just described at this one church. But in this case, it's even a kind that the pagans don't tolerate. A man sleeping with his father's wife. <laughs> Gross. He says, And you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship, in other words, thrown the guy, the man who's doing it, throw him out. Throw him out of the church. Well, that's judging. That's judging. No, you Nimrod, that is not judging. This is the good kind of judging. The bad kind of judging you're not supposed to do. But when someone's acting badly, and it's clear they're acting badly, it is not judging for the church to confront someone and say, hey, stop it. Okay? Don't let people keep you from taking a moral stand because they say, well, you're judging me. It's not judging. You're by your own admission saying you're lying, cheating, fornicating, adulterating. You know, that's not judging. Stop! Why are you judging me? No, again, they don't understand it. Uh, he says, for my part, even though I'm not physically present, I am with you in spirit as one who is present with you in this way. I've already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. And he tells them, throw him out of the church. Actually, it's worse than that. He says, before you throw him out of the church, get together, pray, turn him over to the devil, and then throw him out. Whoa, that's a bad day when people are turning you over to the devil. All right, why did he say to do that? He says, not because we hate him, but that he can get just the full brunt of his actions, and then hopefully he'll repent so that he can be saved. There was no condemnation in this, but it was pretty strong. This idea that Christians cannot take strong stands or anything else because it's judging, again, all the people in the world who act immorally and hate it when Christians say, you know, you shouldn't do that. You're judging, you're judging. Jesus said, don't judge. They don't know what they're talking about. 1 Corinthians 6, the very next chapter. He takes a different tack. He says, if any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? He's talking about Christian people who are doing business with each other. They start having an argument over business and they take each other to court. Christians should never take another Christian to court. And we've got 15 million reasons why, well, I had to because blah, 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 he's stinking blah. You're not supposed to do it. Okay? Not, or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? He says, what you're supposed to do is bring it to the church. Let them judge. Find some Christians, let them. Don't take it to some pagan judge, some secular system. Come to the Christian community. Find an agreement. Whatever the guy rules, he rules. Don't you know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? You see the word three times there. We're supposed to judge, judge, judge. We're going to judge. Do you not know that we will judge angels someday? You know who's going to judge? You know, this is a kicker. On judgment day, it won't be God who judges the angels. It's going to be you and me. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I mean, that's because it was going to really tick off the devil. He hates you. He hates you so much. And the real kicker, just to kind of stick it to him, is God says, I'll tell you what, on judgment day, I want to judge you. They'll judge you. It's going to be pretty cool. The devil will probably say, you're not supposed to judge. Uh, all right. So, he's told you know, we'll judge angels. How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church, non-Christians? I say this to your shame. Is it possible there's nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between brothers? Christians are supposed to judge. 
in a righteous way, in a good way. Do not buy into this line of thought that you should never take a stand on something somehow it's judging. All right, so coming to a conclusion, when you know all the facts, you give them the reason why people do stuff. Don't do that. Don't condemn people. And don't start getting into big fights about the way somebody else lives out their Christian faith. Unless, of course, if it's immoral, as we just pointed out, some immoral. You know, those things that are very clear. You know, we, one of the reasons we have people constantly, every week, get it, we say the Apostles' Creed. These are non-disputable things that we believe in. These are, we have some real clear stands. It's not debatable. We believe God created the heavens and the earth. We believe Jesus Christ was the Son of God. We believe he was born of a virgin. We believe he died on the cross. We believe he raised from the dead. These are non-negotiable to us. All right? There's a whole bunch of stuff that, ah, but this is, you know, very clear. Morality, thou shalt not lie, steal, cheat, commit adultery, fornicate, all these. These are real clear to us. There's no mystery here about our stand on these things. We don't hate people. We don't judge people in the nasty way. But we do judge appropriately. We take a stand on certain things. But then there's this area where Christians are doing things you don't know if you really agree about. That we're not supposed to do. Now, what do you do when one brother disagrees with another one? Paul says, you've got to be careful not to judge, like Jesus said. Now, the most popular scripture to turn to in the matters of judging between Christians is Romans, the 14th chapter. Now, Paul writing. At times, Paul is a bit circular in his logic, and it can make, make your head hurt trying to follow what he's talking about. Now, that's the way I read it. I don't think Paul really cares what I think, but that's what I think. I think, what? You know, for example, you ever read what he writes about marriage? Anybody considering marriage? You read what Paul writes about marriage? It's enough to give you a headache. He says, stay single. But if you need to get married, get married. But really, my advice is stay single. But if you have to get married, it's not a sin. But you really should stay single if you're already single. And I mean, it's like, it's like, ay, caramba, what's the deal here? I mean, it's just very circular, and it's hard to even get a conclusion. If you've never read, read Romans, the seventh, seventh, or not Romans, first Corinthians, the seventh chapter about marriage, and it's like, ay, 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 ay. Well, he kind of does a little bit of that here, kind of circular, talking about this thing about Christians not getting along or fighting over stuff. He basically says this. We're going to read it in a second. But he basically says this. Number one, mind your own business. Number two, don't judge your brother. Number three, on the other hand, don't cause your brother to stumble. On the other hand, let's just all get along. And then at the end, just mind your own business. All right, let's take a look at it. Romans, the 14th chapter, verse 1. Now, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. And the one thing we have to understand, there are a lot of things in Christianity that are disputable. Way of living out your faith, it's disputable. One Christian allows this, the other one doesn't allow it. They tend to go at each other if you're not careful. Uh, And he says, we're not supposed to do that. There are disputable matters. Again, we talked about what's not disputable. We're very clear. But we're not one of these churches that takes everything that's disputable and puts it in concrete. In a lot of churches, they all tend to agree exactly. Everybody's got to think exactly the same about, way about everything. At this church, we do not think this way. I think it's one of the strengths of our church. We don't all have to agree about everything. You know, everybody doesn't have to be from the same socioeconomic worldview. Everybody doesn't have the same political view, you know. We actually let Democrats sit next to Republicans. I know it's outrageous. You know, but we, we don't care if you don't have tattoos. If you do have tattoos, I assume some of you don't, but you might not want to know where it is. Okay? But I mean, who cares? We don't, we don't debate on stuff like that. What you allow, what you don't allow, where you go, da, da, da. You know, now if it crosses a moral line, now we got issues with you. But a lot of stuff is just, it is what it is. He says, don't get into that. He says, one person's 
faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. I don't know what he's talking about. I, I say that because in the Old Testament, they were very picky about what you can eat, but I, I'm not aware of anywhere it says you can only eat vegetables. You know, maybe he's being a hyperbolous at this point, which he would do from time to time. He would exaggerate to make points, kind of like me. Uh, so, you know, I don't know what he's talking about. Um, but you do have to put this in context. This is a point in history where he is, they're coming out of a Jewish experience and taking the relationship with God, the knowledge of God to the whole world. Now, you have to understand something. A lot of people think, you know, well, the Jews did not follow Christianity because they couldn't buy Jesus as the Son of God. Not true. They couldn't accept Jesus as the Messiah. Pfft, wrong. Well, they couldn't believe someone was raised from the dead. Nope. In fact, if you read the book of Acts, where you read the sermons these guys preached to the Jews, they would talk about Jesus performing great miracles under the power of God. Kind of hard to dispute. They all saw it. You know, somebody's dead and all of a sudden he's not dead anymore. Pretty impressive. Okay. Walking on water, doing different things, healing sick people. I mean, it was without doubt. There was no debate about this. He says, then you crucified him. They knew that. They didn't even argue or defend themselves about that. He says, three days later, God raised him from the dead. When, he, when they're preaching this, no one says boo. They don't have a problem with that. He says, proving that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God. All the Jewish leaders, all the Jewish crowds, when they would preach that, if you'll read the book of Acts, when they preach these sermons, not a boo from anybody. They did not have a problem with anything. What drove them crazy? As soon as they said, so now God says we're supposed to preach the gospel to everybody, and now even non-Jews can become Christians. And they had a hissy pitch. And they went crazy. And they got mad. That's when they pick up rocks and start throwing them at them and stuff like that, and killing them and persecuting them. And this big fight. If you read the New Testament, a lot of the New Testament, to a great degree, doesn't make sense to us. Because what they were struggling with was this transition between you don't have to be Jewish anymore. See, because to them, to be really a faith, you had to be a Jew. You had to get circumcised, you know. <laughs> Talking about having a hard time getting people to come to church. That's bad enough. But, uh, <laughs> glad we moved on from that. <laughs> but, but, when, but you'll read a lot about circ- this fight about circumcision. If you read the New Testament, you'll see them over and over again. Talk about the circumcision. The circ- and they're not just talking about snipping off your yeehaw, you know. They're talking about whatever a yeehaw is. They're, they're, they're talking about this idea of being Jewish. You have to be Jewish. And they use the word circumcision to refer to Judaism and obeying all the rules of eating what you can eat, when you can work, when you can't work, when you can do what you can't do. La, 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 la. They loved this stuff. They went crazy. And that drove them crazy. And when they started messing with that, that's when they rejected Christianity because they couldn't handle it. It wasn't the basics of Christianity. It was that. That you are now letting them not get circumcised, not watch their food, they're able to have bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches. What? They can't handle that kind of stuff. They went nuts. And that's the big fight that you'll find in the Christian writings. Uh, so he writes about it. He says, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. There again, the judging. Don't judge that way. For God has accepted them. Who are you, he says, to judge someone else's servant? In other words, mind your own business. To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Verse 10. Why do you treat them with contempt? 
We will all stand before God's judgment. We'll all answer to God. Stop, he said, about these debatable things. Uh, therefore, verse 13, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Again, that's the bad judgment. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. So now he's kind of changing a little bit. He's basically saying, mind your own business. And then he says, but you know, don't do it if it's going to tick somebody off. He says, I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. He's talking about food. You can eat anything you want. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it's unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone from whom Christ died. And this literally would happen. They literally would turn back on Christ just over the food issue. Now, there are people today, again, Christians, we argue about little things that don't really matter. Everybody has to live out their own faith about what they allow, what they don't allow and stuff. But when people... You start doing something they don't allow themselves to do. People get mad. And these people start wanting to, to change and think the way they think. Now, I'm going to try and explain. At a minimum, you don't have to agree with everything I say. But at least biblically, you're going to understand why I take the stand that I take on some of these things. And I'm going to explain it to you here. I call those people that are constantly trying to control what other people do, I call them flute players. Let me explain. Now, Matthew, the 11th chapter... Verse 16, Jesus is talking. He says, what can I compare this generation to? They're a bunch of whiners, okay? They are like children sitting in the marketplace calling out to each other. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. You're supposed to dance. When I play the pipe, you're supposed to dance. You're not dancing. (laughs) And we sang a sad song. We sang a dirge. Do, 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 do. You didn't cry. You're supposed to cry when we sing sad songs. Why are you not dancing and crying when we tell you to? And then he points, he says, here's what I'm talking about. Next words, Jesus says, for John, talking about John the Baptist, came neither eating or drinking. Now he actually did eat, but he ate bugs. He was a bug eater. He lived on locusts. That's how he lived. (laughs) Hope I never get invited to his house. You know what I mean? (laughs) Have a seat. Would you like yours medium rare? I mean, he ate bugs. He ate locusts. That's all he ate with honey. I guess that helped the bugs. Enough honey, you can eat anything. Uh, And then he didn't drink. And uh, this was according to the words of the angel that spoke to Zechariah, his father, who said, you'll have the son, you're going to call him John. He's never supposed to drink wine or strong drink. Talking about alcoholic beverages. Now the non-drinking people love to point that out because they love to quote that verse because that's what the angels, okay, but that was for John. John, and it wasn't grape juice. It was drink. That's why he said, don't do it. All right? So, John comes neither eating or drinking, and he said he has a demon. He's crazy. He's a bug-eating non-drinker. So clearly, he's nuts. He says, then I come along, and I'm eating, and I am drinking. And it wasn't grape juice. And he says, well, he's a pig and a drunkard. Which again, hard to be a drunkard when you're drinking. <sighs> don't write me, I don't care. All right. So, <laughs> I mean, I care about you, I just don't care about this argument. This is the, he says non dispute. This is a disputable matter. I just, I just, you can't draw me in it. I just, I just don't care. Uh, so, so he, these are the flute players in life. What they do is they get mad because you don't do what they do. Now let me say clearly, as far as I know, before heaven and earth here, 
I'm not aware of any of our campuses, anybody having anything. I, I don't know of a single flute player type Christian in our congregation anywhere. Those people don't come here. They used to come here. <laughs> they don't stay very long, okay, because I drive them crazy. Because I talk like I'm talking right now, they just go crazy. Now, there are people who, for different measures of conscience, do or don't do one thing or the other. And everybody gets along fine. That's fine. That's the strength of this church. Okay? So I'm not reacting to anything here. But clearly, this is trying to teach on what Jesus taught and why we teach what we did. And certainly, people without our church, the flute players always screaming about Celebration Church. Because, you're not. We played the five and you didn't manage. You're not supposed to do this. Now, the one thing that they all run to is Romans 14. You can't cause me to stumble. Now, let's continue. Verse 19, Romans 14. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual medification. Let's, just all, let's all get along. It's the Rodney King verse. Let's all just get along. You know? Everybody, just be calm. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it's wrong for the person to eat. Then it causes someone else to stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. This is the verse of the flute players. They love this verse. Because they can't make their argument biblically because it's absurd. Their position is ridiculous. So what they do when they can't make you do what they want to do, uh, they will go to this verse where you're not supposed to do it because you might cause somebody to stumble. Now again, 2,000 years ago, between an incredibly religious culture, and we're talking Old Testament, we're talking some serious stuff, transitioning to the new culture of grace, they couldn't handle it. But I just don't think it's in play today. I don't know of anybody who has ever fallen away from Jesus because someone ate a bacon and lettuce and tomato sandwich. I'm not aware. I'm not aware of anybody who gave up on their faith because somebody had a glass of wine or because our church serves wine at communion. That was one of the complaints when we first started serving wine. You're going to cause people to stumble. I said, it's... Who's going to stumble? It's this big. <laughs> okay. I mean, seriously, if it, to me, we'd have a sandwich and a, and a big glass of something. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, we've got to be religious, so we have a little tiny thing and a little tiny like that. So it was, by the way, a last supper. Do you realize that? It was actually a meal. In fact, Paul wrote and said, you guys are having too much fun at the meal, and you're not taking this seriously. As a result, Christians today swung the other way. Now we just get the little tiny thing so nobody can party. So... Whatever. Um, but, you know, it, it didn't cause anybody. I'm not aware of anybody ever. In my whole life, I've been doing this a long time, 40 plus years. I'm not aware of anybody who gave up on their faith in Jesus because of what somebody else said or did. Now, I'm sure it must be out there. I'm sure it's possible theoretically. But it's a red herring by these flute players who just, what they want you to do is do what they do. That's really what it is. And they can't stand it when you don't do what they do. And they go crazy. And they mourn and they cry and they bellyache. They did it to Jesus. They'll do it to people today. They call themselves Christians. And I suppose they are. But, the, you know, just chill out. Okay? These are not, these are disputable matters. Now, no one would intentionally do something to hurt somebody. If I knew that me eating a bratwurst would make you turn away from Jesus, I would not eat the bratwurst. Actually, I just wouldn't hang around with you, so I can't eat the bratwurst. That's, 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 that's really what I would do. I, I got to be honest here. You know, if, 
If I know drinking a glass of wine is going to make you just fall away from Jesus in your faith, which I think is an absurd statement. Let's say if that really, I, I probably wouldn't do it, although I probably just wouldn't hang around you, so I could do it and I would just move on. All right? So, you know, don't let these people go crazy with this whole thing. Well, brother, you're just going to cause someone to stuff. Yeah, bloody stinking, blah, blah, blah. You know, I just don't think it's in play. Not like it was when he wrote these words. And again, where's the evidence? Does anybody know anybody? Don't raise your hand, but I mean, come talk to me if you think. Well, yeah, brother, I know someone who was really serving Jesus, and someone, you know, ate a piece of pork, and, and he quit serving Jesus. Okay, then hear me the story. You know, I'll, I'll hear it. Or, you know, pastor, I know someone who really, he was a committed Christian, and he saw you guys drinking a little thing of wine like that, and he went out and just got plastered drunk, and now he's out uh, on skid row. Okay? <laughs> if that's, then tell me. Tell me. I want to hear the story. I'm just saying, I, I don't think it's there. I think all of it's BS. Bravo, Sierra. You know, it's just, you know bad sausage you know whatever it's just it's just it's just not there these are verses quoted by flute players they can't stand it when you don't do what they do and then he ends verse 22 saying mind your own business he says so whatever you believe about these things make sure you tell everybody so they can start doing what you tell them to do Nope, that's not what it says. Whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Shut up. That's what he's saying. Just zip it. Okay? Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he allows. Let's not get it. I mean, there are Christians, I know, they are, they are obsessed. They want to try and explain to everybody the possible connections to something evil. So you stop it. There's people who go crazy about Christmas trees. Christians, again, none of that's in our church, but it's out there. You'll hear about it. You'll hear it on Christian radio. You're running a cycle, crazy people. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have a Christmas tree because that's a pagan symbol and those little Christmas balls that are hanging. What do you call those things? <laughs> Not called Christmas balls. They're ornaments. That's, that's a, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why you come to this church. Okay. But uh, <laughs> Christmas balls. You don't hang those things because that's inappropriate and it's all evil. And, and Easter's really, you know, a bunny is, is a demon or whatever. You know, they go through all the things and they go through all these things and they got to explain to everybody why you can't do it. And you can't do it because... I... Dance, monkey, dance! Come on, you little monkeys, dance! And when the monkeys don't dance, they get mad because you're supposed to be a dancing monkey! And they come to this church and they don't want to come to this church anymore! And I've been going to Celebration Church because you monkeys don't dance! I don't care, go away! I mean, where does it end? Is it wrong to eat a cheeseburger in front of someone who's dieting? Is it wrong to have a piece of cake in front of a diabetic? Is it wrong to sunbathe in front of someone who had skin cancer? Is it wrong to eat a brat in front of a friend who just had heart surgery? Is it wrong for Pastor Ross to wear a Vikings jersey in Green Bay? Oh yeah, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That boy's evil. He's evil. <laughs> Got to cast the devil out of that man. I mean, where does it end? And everybody going, what are you causing me to stumble? <laughs> Shut up. I don't, I don't believe it. You're telling me you're going to give up on your faith in Jesus because of 
on these things you don't like? I don't think so. And everybody, look, everybody draw their own line. That's fine. The Bible says draw your own line. Keep it to yourself and God. Do what you think is best for you and your families, but don't condemn, don't judge each other. Again, we don't have a problem with that here. I'm just saying this. That's teaching. That's why we teach what we teach. We're talking about judging. That's what Jesus said. Is it wrong to take your kids trick-or-treating? You know, there's some people that you, some of you would never take your kids trick-or-treating. You just say, that's fine. I don't care. Because you think it's just, it's too much like witchcraft. Okay. I take my grandkids trick-or-treating. Why? Free candy. (laughs) I got to tell you, you know, I'm, I'm in when you talk free candy. Okay. Well, you cause someone to stumble again. Tell me the story. I've never heard of anybody who was serving Jesus and because somebody was trick-or-treating turned into a warlock. <laughs> I guess it's possible. Tell me the story. If me doing this is going to turn you into a warlock, okay, you have my attention. Again, I'll just avoid you. <laughs> But seriously, just making issues over things that aren't issues. The world's dying, going to hell, and this is our this is our battle line. This is our land in the stand. We're not going to go trick or treating. It's off the devil. We don't do Halloween. Wait, what, what do we have? What do you call it? Harvest festival. Oh, good lord, that irritates me every year we do it. I'm not here. Pick your battles. Pick your battles. Call it whatever you want. We don't do Halloween. We do harvest festival. What's Halloween? People dressing in costumes and getting candy. What's Harvest Festival? People dressing in costumes and getting candy. <laughs> oh, but, it's, but it's more spiritual the way we do it. You know, just, seriously. D- d- don't write me, honestly. Honestly, I don't care. I don't care. I mean, I care about you. I just don't care what you think about this stuff. It's, it's debatable. Says Paul says, don't argue about debatable stuff. Don't judge each other. I don't condemn those who don't do. That's fine. I'm just glad I wasn't raised in your house. But it's fine. <laughs> no, I'm being mean. All right. I'm, I'm mean, I'm mean, I'm mean. At the men's conferences, guys should never hug each other because you never know that that guy might have had a history of homosexuality. Who think this way? Seriously? I'm not going to hug a guy because I'm afraid he might be a gay guy and it'll cause him to lust. <laughs> well, then all women should wear burqas. Right? Right? Because men will lust after your cute little bods if you're not wearing a burqa. Seriously? I know some of you looking at me like, I'm telling you. There'll be a lot more people in hell over lust than Bratwurst. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Bratwurst corn of hell is pretty small. <laughs> it's just a guess of mine, but it's an assumption. <laughs> then let's put you all in burqa. See, now well, the problem with that is it becomes Islamic thinking, which, now don't get mad at me, and this is an anti-Muslim, my dad was a Muslim. Most righteous man I've ever seen. He eventually became a Christian, but... It's not anti-anything, it's just it's a different way of thinking. Do you know Islamists agree with Christianity on two major points of morality? No drunkenness and no lust. 
No drunkenness and no lust. These are Christian principles. By the way, if you do drink, you're not supposed to be getting plastered. Stop it. All right? But the way they attain those goals is alcohol is illegal. And women have to wear big old bags. Is is this what we're doing? When Christians demand there be no alcohol anywhere, it's more Islamic thinking than Christian thinking. Christian thinking. What credit is it to men who've been born of God and have the Spirit of God? What credit is it to us to live righteous lives as long as we never see a woman and never run anything that will give us a problem? Well, anybody can do that. I'm pretty much, I can take any guy you know, Christian or not, the most rotten guy you know, stick him in a cave with nothing on the walls and no lights, and I'm pretty sure he'll be pretty clean. What's the point of that? The point of Christianity is we can be in the world and not of the world. We can walk free. We're not slaves to this stuff. Now, again, there's a sense you don't go to strip clubs and do obvious things that are destructive. But the key to walking in a righteous life is not to ban everything. Again, everybody has their opinions on these things. I'm just explaining why I think the way I think, why we practice the way we practice in this church. If you have problems with... (laughs) Trick or treat. All I could think was cotton candy. It was in my head. (laughs) If you have a cotton candy problem, I don't care. Or any other problem, then fine. You can be the anti-cotton candy family. I have a cotton candy machine in my house. I'm very popular with my grandchildren. Okay? But whatever your issues are, then fine. We allow that. It's fine. And I'm not really criticizing. I'm really not. You know, I, I don't do it. But I, we don't condemn those who do. We've got that in here. And again, in this church, is pretty healthy. I'm not aware of anybody at each other's throats about this in any way, shape, or form. Praise God for that. We've learned... We can love and respect each other. Everybody doesn't have to agree about everything. That's one of the fundamental premises of Celebration Church experience. Okay? Let's be careful not to judge people. And for those who are out, and most of the stuff is people from outside our church, who are just evangelical Christians who just go crazy about stuff all the time. Just relax. And let me close with this as an example. For the first hundred years of our nation's history, the single greatest influence in the voice of our nation came from the church. This is without debate. Historians, everybody, anybody who knows anything about history, read it. The single greatest voice came from the pulpits of America. People who would come to this country and you would read whether they came from France or England, they would go back and they would write of the power and the fire of the pulpit and the strength that came from the Christian community. Nothing of significance happened in this nation the first hundred plus years without the okay from the church. It just didn't happen. Okay, to good and bad, but it was a powerful voice. Well, at the turn of the 19th century, I don't know, maybe we had nothing else better to do. You know, we'd beaten slavery, the church pushed that, we'd, you know, unfair taxation, the church was behind that. All of a sudden, it really established this country. Maybe we got bored, I don't know. And then the church went crazy about alcohol. And the evangelical church in particular raised its voice and said, we must ban it. Again, more Islamic thinking than Christian thinking. And we pushed through a constitutional amendment 
It was called prohibition. Do you know how hard it is to get a constitutional amendment passed? It's almost impossible. But when the church spoke, people listen. That old commercial. When E.F. Hutton speaks, everyone listens. You know, E.F. Hutton was nothing. When the puppets of America spoke, everybody listened. And we got on this ridiculous bandwagon. And we pushed through a constitutional amendment. It was illegal in this country to have any alcohol. Seven years later, the country had to go through the whole process again because it was an abysmal failure. It was a disaster. We made, of course not we, you and I weren't around, but the generations, they made fools of themselves over something that was more Islamic thinking than Christian thinking and something that's not biblical. The Bible doesn't say you can't have alcohol. It just says you're not supposed to get drunk. You're supposed to be responsible. Of course, the flute players would have nothing to do with that. Not only would they abstain, everyone else had to abstain. I am a flute player, I must dance, you must, I play, you must dance, you little dancing monkey. And it was an abysmal disaster. Look at our country historically. Almost from that point forward, the church has lost its voice. Nobody in America cares anymore what the pulpits of America say. Then came the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and we rail and yell and what about prayer in schools and everything and everybody just goes, ah. To this day, I'm not aware of any evangelical church who has apologized for that, by the way. Most of them still argue it was the right thing to do. They're wrong. They were wrong then, they're wrong now. Let's fight about things that matter. Basic morality, basic Christian truth. There are lots of things that Paul said are debatable. When it comes to that, he said, don't judge. Mind your own business. Live out your faith however you want. If you think eating one food is more holy than then fine, he said. But at the end of it, mind your own business. Live out your faith before God. Let's not judge. Let's not be trying to get the little speck out of somebody else's eye when there might be a big plank in our own. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we want to, Lord, understand your teachings better and better so that we can model our lives accordingly. Help us, Lord, not to judge harshly, not to be foolish and not to judge righteously, but not to judge harshly. Let's not be coming up with conclusions for why people are doing what they're doing or what happens when we don't know the facts. Help us not to just quickly condemn people and let's not go at each other when people are doing things we don't think they should do or we don't like what they're doing. Help us, Lord, not to judge our brothers help us to walk out our faith before you and help us to live such a healthy Christian experience that we're healthy, we're strong, our marriages are healthy and strong, our kids are healthy and strong. Help us to live such positive lives that people who are not Christians will look at us and go, man, I want to be like you. How do you do that? And then we can share with them this glorious message of the grace of God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.